1: being recorded on Wednesday, June 28th, 2017. I'm your host, Jason
2: Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. In this week's show, we have a very timely guest. Natasha Mehta is head of re-engagement at Boxed. She previously held positions at Samsung and Amazon. Box is bringing the Wholesale Club experience to e-commerce based out of Edison, New Jersey and has raised over $130 million in venture capital. Welcome, Natasha.
0: Thank you.
1: So, Natasha, uh, we always like to kick off these interviews by um, uh, having our guests uh, share a little bit about their background and and how they came into their current roles. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about how you got here?
0: Sure. Sure. So, I lead CRM marketing at Box. I've been at Box for almost two years now, which has been an amazing ride. Um, it's been really great to see and be, be part of the tremendous growth that we've seen over the past two years. Um, and as Scott mentioned, I had been, previous to Box, I was at Samsung on the product marketing team for tablets over in New Jersey. Prior to that, I was a Small company called Amazon um, in Seattle and on the content marketing team for mobile electronics. So, been in the e-commerce and retail space for quite some time. Um, it seemed like a natural extension to, to join Box a couple years ago and really excited to be part of the team.
1: Very cool. And uh, you have sort of a unique title. Uh, how, how did you arrive at yeah. th- that title?
0: Sure. So reengagement engagement really um, has quite a few different facets. Um, it's, my main focus is really customer retention. And so hyper-focus on a customer, really trying to understand how to send the right messages and promotions to the right customer at the right time. And so that's 100% of my focus. Um, email and push notifications are some of the channels that I manage along with programmatic direct mail um, and programmatic display. And so it's a pretty all-encompassing title um, for, you know, all in all of the customer experience.
1: Very cool. Um, and I, I always uh, it, it's I always like it when you invent your own titles, uh, so then you you can be the <laughs> the the absolute industry guru of that title.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Tell us a little bit more about what you did at Amazon.
0: Sure. So I managed uh, a couple of our mobile electronics vendors and campaigns, and so worked really closely with. Apple and Nike on MP3 players and GPS watches, um, as well as Garmin and TomTom Tom when GPS was pretty popular <laughs> in 2010, um, the physical GPS devices. And so, managed many of our on-site platform campaigns um, on the platform, as well as email. Um, probably managed over 100 weekly campaigns. Um, across multiple different brands and and vendors.
2: Very cool. How, what do you think about Nike selling on Amazon since you kind of worked with them on the device side, maybe you have a point of view on, on shoes. Yes.
0: But yeah, we had actually, um, I'm actually not sure if, if Nike is direct on shoes yet, but we were the first category within Amazon to bring them on direct. Um, We had a relationship with, with, um GPS devices and so when they launched their um campaign with TomTom Tom, we we were able to bring them on um which was really exciting at that point to to bring on Nike as a vendor and be one of the first categories to do so.
2: Okay. And then how about uh, at Samsung, what did you do over there?
0: I was on the product marketing team for tablets and so I was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum um, working with Amazon <laughs> as one of our customers and so um, Amazon was one of our largest suppliers of um, tablets and also worked very closely with Best Buy and Walmart on the channel marketing side. Um, so it managed promotions for tablets and this was also in 2012 when um, tablets and they still are, but when tablets were really on the rise, and it was a really exciting place to be at that time.
2: Got it. And then, so you've been at Boxed for two years. I imagine you've seen some pretty crazy growth. Um, were you like, yeah. uh, were you in the first handful of employees? I think Boxed is only a couple of years old, right?
0: Yeah, we're about three years old, right. um, almost four actually. And I started um, when we were almost thirty. I would say, and since then we have, we have more than quadrupled. Um, so tremendous growth. We're already running out of space at our third office. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's been a really exciting ride to be there from, you know, the very early days.
2: Very cool. And then, uh, has your role changed or you've, you've kind of held this same role and just kind of taken over more and more pieces?
0: Yeah, I started um, in this role. You know, a lot of what I've done in the past really led me to to really focus on re-engagement in particular. Um, and so I started with this role. I've been taking on more um, over the past couple of years, and I also have a, or have a pretty big role in vendor marketing. So I work very closely with many of our brands and suppliers at Box as well. Yeah.
2: Does... um. So, so I imagine Boxed has like a typical retailer, like category teams and all that kind of stuff. And, and you mentioned vendor yeah. relations. Do you guys have a fulfillment mm-hmm. center or is that a, like a you, you don't do any of your own fulfillment? It's kind of a 3PL oh. or something different?
0: No, we do 100% um, of our own fulfillment and we have four SCAs across the country. And so mm-hmm. we recently just launched our fourth in Dallas um, a few months ago and so – we're
2: national in the, the contiguous 48 states. Yeah, are these kind of Amazon 1.2 million square feet kind of FCS, or are these are I imagine <laughs> probably a little bit smaller.
0: <laughs> uh, a little bit smaller, but but we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cool. Nice. And for listeners that maybe aren't uh, totally familiar with Boxed, like, wh- how, what's the? How do you describe the the value prop? What's the elevator pitch?
0: Sure. So- And, you know, one sentence or less, we're the online mobile version of your wholesale shopping club, but we don't have any membership fees and we have free shipping. So anything that you normally go to the wholesale club on and spend your entire Saturday um, shopping, we will deliver on average in two days to you in all your bulk size uh, favorites.
1: Gotcha. And so, do you, I, I imagine the answer is both, but do you feel like are you primarily trying to take visits away from Costco and Sam's Club, so you're getting people to to re- recreate that brick and mortar experience online, or are you you trying to take visits away from Amazon or maybe Prime Pantry?
0: I'd say we probably coexist with all four, Costco, Sam's and DJ's, They don't have to have a strong online presence that they're putting a lot of focus on, and so we also are. Are targeting um, millennials that may not necessarily or may not have necessarily started shopping at these wholesale clubs yet and so city dwellers and millennial moms for example um, are really a huge target of ours and, and um, I believe that we can coexist with all four of these other retailers.
1: Got you. And um, one of the things that's somewhat unique about the club stores that some listeners may be uh, very familiar with and others might not is they tend to have different product configurations than are typically sold um, at like grocery stores or or even that are sold in Amazon Pantry. Um, So, you know, you might have a, a four pack or an eight pack. Uh, on a grocery store shelf, and you might have a hundred and four count in the club club stores. so we we tend to call those club packs is boxed primarily offering club packs is that are you getting those same configurations or something in between? what's yeah. the
0: yeah, so we primarily focus on club packs or the club ecom skew, and so we work very closely with our suppliers on customized packaging um, specific to e-com, but still, you know, within the club pack.
1: Got you. And is it, has it been difficult? Like I I know traditionally in the old days, Costco has a lot of leverage. Um, I mean, you know, with a very small store count, they're the second largest retailer in the U S and I, I feel like they used to have these, these kind of draconian vendor agreements where they were the only ones that were allowed to carry a particular configuration. So they had, exclusivity on those club packs are, are you finding that that's less true today? Or are you, are you getting a slight, like a slightly different version of the club pack or how, how is that working? Are you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's still largely true. What we do is negotiate a, a slightly different variation or size count, um, for the e-com version. And so we wouldn't necessarily get cost of the exact, exact size, Um, but we would have a similar variation, different packaging, um, specific for us.
1: Got it. Um, and, and in general is, are you finding like, is a big part of your value proposition, the value of the products that because they're buying, uh, club packs and you're encouraging them to get a bigger cart that you're able to, uh, offer really aggressive pricing or, is it the convenience of not having to schlep all that big stuff from the store and to the car and all those sorts of things? Like what 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 are the the primary things that you think are really uh, driving consumers to use you?
0: Yeah, I'd say a little bit of both. So definitely convenience. I, I would say that's probably one of our biggest differentiators in terms of having to or not having to lug you know these bulk size thirty six packs of paper towels. Um, home, especially you know, for myself living in New York City, I don't necessarily need to go around the corner to CVS every other day um, for items that I can just buy in one time and have it delivered. And so, convenience is definitely um, one of our you know biggest value props. And then value overall, we don't say or strive to be the cheapest prices online, but the value of having the club size products delivered to your door um, and not having to pay that annual membership fee is huge.
2: Very cool. Um, so uh, imagine you you know being an ex-Amazon person and you're, you guys are in the kind of CPG category with a lot of your offerings. Uh, what did you think about the whole Whole Foods Amazon acquisition? Any, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. That <laughs> <Now, laughs> whole Amazon, it was essentially, you know, full stack solution. Um, they haven't really nailed down the fresh category. Amazon Fresh is, is growing, but doesn't necessarily have the brand yet. And so I think this really helps them and, and helps them gain credibility within the fresh space. And then it's mutually beneficial cause, because Whole Foods doesn't really have a ton of, it, of presence, if any, in digital. And so I think they're really going to help each other and, and it's smart you know
2: across the board yeah and then um the amazon does have an offering it's it's a lot of, i find a lot of people don't know about it and it, it's kind of underserved but it's the prime pantry um, and it seems right. like that kind of is they're trying to solve you know kind of a similar problem you guys are with a very different kind of a mechanism uh, i've tried it before right. and it's like this weird gamification of filling the box and it's like hard to kind of you know it's a lot of work it felt like to kind of like fill the box and kind of optimize it. Yeah. Um, uh, Do you you feel like you guys have a bit of a white space from Amazon that they haven't really solved the, what you're doing or is there some overlap?
0: Yeah, I I definitely think so. I I think prime pantry, you know, doesn't necessarily, like you mentioned, have a brand awareness. Um, We have a very unique brand in that aspect and the fact that we only focus on both. And so that's our main differentiator, um, from
2: you know the prime pantries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, full disclosure, I'm a customer. We we use it at uh, my office, yes. so we have a startup, and you know it's the, oh. the bulk food is great for for that. Um, my family is not quite Maybe. big enough to eat it that much bulk bulk food that you guys <laughs> have, but it, it works great in an office of 20 people. You know, we get our ordered. and then um, yeah, the the reordering is is really nice too. So you guys have done a good job of of you know being able to reorder things.
0: Yeah.
1: And for listeners Very that don't cool. know, yep. Scott goes through a lot of snacks. So that, oh, that's, yeah. that's a meaningful. <laughs>
0: customer to have. Absolutely. So we're perfect for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and B2B is, is definitely a huge focus of ours as well. And so we have a pretty significant portion of our business that's dedicated uh, to startups like yours.
1: Nice. Uh, I want to dive just a little bit more into how how you're interacting with brands and how they view you. Um, The one thing on that last question, I actually think your uh, prime pantry is almost the opposite of you. Right. Like the pantry is really a way for Amazon to sell the small packs and entice the customer to bundle enough small packs together that it's cost effective to ship them and you're you're right. selling the big packs which are the things that Amazon normally is willing to sell as each is even even on their their the normal website if you will um right but on, uh on the cpgs I, I think one of the interesting things that's happened is when when uh, amazon announced the whole foods deal all the immediate talk is how that affects retailers right and you know who which retailers are are most likely to be disrupted by by this new force um but i feel like there's been this this secondary realization uh, that it's really a big wake-up call for the CPGs that may not have had very much focus on digital, right? So you're, you're Procter & Gamble or Unilever or, you know, um, uh, Kendall Clark or those folks. You, you know, less than 1% of grocery is digital. Um, you know, your your overwhelming largest customers are predominantly brick and mortar. And so, you know, while you're starting to deal with digital – it's for a tiny part of your business. And now suddenly um, you, you have the threat that that like a, a very significant player could be disrupting your category with digital. And so I wonder, like, do you see that that will you know, potentially make some of your your brand partners more digitally savvy and maybe more open to to trying things digitally with with folks like yourselves? I, I could almost imagine that that's a favorable trend for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think we've started to see that trend over the past few years too. Um, the fact that many brands now have a shopper marketing team that are, you know, largely focused on digital. That's probably the majority of uh, my contacts that that I have, you know, constant conversations with are on that shopper marketing team, um, and they're they have, are much much savvier than they were, you know, four or five years ago. And then so I, I've already started to see that trend shift. And I completely agree. I think especially with a Whole Foods deal, um, it will continue to, to grow in that direction even more.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the, the interesting things in sort of traditional shopper marketing there, there's a lot of tactics in addition to getting the product on the shelf that are commonly used, right? Like, so there's lots of merchandising and co-op and, and brands paying for premium right. positioning and sampling. And, and we see some yeah. of that on, on the Amazons and Walmarts of the world. Um, is that something that, that Boxed is doing today in terms of like offering digital promotional opportunities for, for brands? Or is that something you're, you'll consider as you, you advance?
0: No, it's absolutely something that, that we're already offering, um, which we probably started about a year and a half ago. And so we probably um, sell the majority of the real estate on both of our, both our site as well as our app. Um, and we call many of the placements virtual end caps. And so you know, a, a play on the brick and mortar end cap there. But um, we've definitely seen a huge increase in excitement and engagement over these placements over the past year as well, which, which continues
2: with that trend of brands moving becoming more and more digitally value. Very cool. The um, one of the the trends uh, at, at a Costco. I don't know about the other clubs, but they have uh, the Kirkland brand, which is which is their private label. And you know, I don't, I don't know where it started, but it's become quite popular. And um, they sell on Tmall, and that's primarily what they sell is that private label. And I think Amazon yeah. is actually. Uh, sells Kirkland; it's odd. It's kind of taken a life of its own, and it's one of the they, they sell more Kirkland online than Costco does. Um, oh, wow.
0: I'm a, I love.
2: You know, as a customer of you guys, I'm a. I really like you guys. Have a similar offering called Prince and Spring. Um, maybe tell okay. us a little bit about the rationale of that, and, and how is that going?
0: Sure. So it it really started off with just paper towels and toilet paper. So two necessities. Um, packaged goods that everyone needs, and and you know there's huge opportunity there in really being a disruptor in a category that's really dominated by you know the bounties and the Shermans. Um, and so we started that you know a, a couple years ago and have expanded the Princeton Spring assortment pretty significantly since then. Um, it's a huge focus for the company. The team has been growing uh, pretty rapidly. And now we offer everything from toilet paper to flushable wipes to hangers. Um, and most recently, we recently just launched coffee. And so both ground and whole bean coffee all sourced locally. Um, and it's, it, it's not stopping there. We're, we're launching quinoa and moving um, into the food and beverage space as well. And so definitely a, a huge focus for us.
2: Cool, and I noticed you have um, one of the things we love in our office is K-Cup coffee, and but it's quite expensive. And, yeah. and I noticed your private label is almost like half price of of what other offerings are, which is which is nice. Hey, right. and
0: it and it tastes good. <laughs> yeah,
2: I haven't tried it's the coffee yet. But I can uh, I, I, I can vouch for the trail mix. It's, it's a it's a good trail yeah. mix.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, great! Um, <laughs> on the uh, so so Jason had mentioned you know the brands and, and some of the things. Do they? Ha- how do you navigate having that private label when you're also trying to get the Charmans and the bounties on the side? Um, I met you. You know, the good news is you're not the first kind of you know company to do this, so I, I guess it's pretty well-trodden ground for them.
0: Yeah, so it really just increases overall share within that category. We haven't seen any cannibalization going either way, um, and so again, you know, I think there are there are products that are recognizable that we would always want um, to partner with and and assort on our site. Um, but if we can offer a different selection at a different price point, which would in terms most likely target a different type of customer, um, you know that's really our our strategy there.
1: Got it. Uh, so. I love the fact that you're you're competing with traditional clubs um, in the digital space, because uh, I frequently talk about Costco in particular. Like they're a very admirable retailer. They do a lot. Right. So I'm certainly not trying to pick on them. Uh, But I frequently call them the biggest digital ludite in the retail industry Um, (laughs) because it, it just. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very overt. Like I think they've just made a strategic decision. We don't want to be digital. We don't want to give the customer any reason not to visit our stores. Um, and while I, right. I can kind of understand that sentiment, like I, I, you know, I, I and I suspect most of our listeners on the digital podcast um, probably feel like that's somewhat short-sighted. Um, but in fairness to them, it hasn't really shown up on their balance statement yet. So, uh, But what's interesting, their model is sell uh, stuff at the lowest margin possible. They're super aggressive on price and their primary profit driver is those club memberships. Um, And and so you guys obviously aren't doing the membership and that's one of your value props um, is get those club packs and get that convenience without the membership. Um, But so I presumably you have to make more money selling the goods. And then you have this, this really inconvenient cost that we all struggle with in e-commerce, which is, shipping um so i like do you guys have any strategies for keeping the uh the shipping costs under control i mean i you know it feels like that's an ever-increasing cost we talk a lot on the podcast about the fact that e-commerce is growing at like 20 to 30 percent and the shipping guys capacity is growing at like eight percent and so th- they're right. a they're a constrained commodity and what they're doing is they're charging more for their service as a result
0: yeah yeah, so, so we offer free shipping on all orders over 49, so that definitely helps with the shipping fees. Um, and then on top of that, the majority of our orders, the average order size is 9 to 10 items, so we are a stock-up service. Our customers are purchasing, um, or when they're purchasing, they're really stocking up for you know that month or for their family or for their office. And so the order size is typically higher than an Amazon, for example, where the typical order size would just be one or two products per order, um, which does largely affect shipping. Um, but because of that, we're able to keep shipping costs low.
1: Gotcha. And I, I guess one of the things that uh, somewhat surprised me um, based on your category and the ta- types of items that customers get from you, I almost would have expected to see some sort of subscription service. And I, I know Scott mentioned you have a really convenient reorder service, but have you guys ever, you know, right. is, like is, is that an overt decision you made not to do subscription? Is, is that something that could be in the roadmap? What's the scoop on subscriptions?
0: Potent- yeah, it could potentially be on the roadmap. It is something that we have considered, especially for certain items that, Customers do typically reorder, like baby makes absolute sense, baby products for a subscription type of service. And so definitely something we're thinking about.
2: Cool. I, I may be remembering this wrong, but when Box first launched, my recollection is it was kind of a mobile app only kind of a thing. Um, and then yeah. later the desktop was added. And again, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering okay. that, but, but kind of curious about that mix of, of mobile and desktop, um, you know, again, full yeah. disclosure, I I kind of like the desktop version because usually I'm doing it when I'm at work and, and I can kind of like see the product better and, um, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. But any interesting yeah. insights you can share what you guys have learned there?
0: Yeah, so we, we did launch as a mobile app. Um, we're mobile first, and we're also a tech company first. And so the majority of our employees are actually on the tech team. Um, and so we're constantly innovating and improving both the app experience as well as the site experience. Um, and so we launched desktop Shortly thereafter, um, for the first few years, mobile was the majority of uh, purchases. Or majority of our purchases were made through the mobile app, and now I'd say it's probably closer to 50-50. And so, like yourself, many of our customers prefer to shop through the site versus the app. The app is really, you know, the convenient option. Um, I personally love using the app to reorder items. It's just a simple. Um, to click process to reorder. And so I think, you know, having both options um, are, are really great for different use cases.
2: Got it. And then, um, we, you know, I mentioned earlier, and you said this is kind of a growing part, but the there's kind of a B2C and a B2B element. Um, it, did you guys start leaning into the B2B when you kind of saw how people were using things? Or, or tell us a little bit more about, about kind of how that came to be and, and anything you can share on Mix or anything would be interesting.
0: Sure. So I can say that it's definitely a huge focus of us of ours to continue growing our B two B business. Um, it it made sense as a natural extension of, of Box. We started as a B two C platform, but because we are a stock up service and we deliver in bulk, and our own office manager purchases from us, and and you know our employees that really came from you know our team internally. Um, because our employees love the snacks and the beverages and we need the paper towels and the toilet paper. Um, it just, it seemed like a natural extension. And now that team has been growing pretty, pretty quickly as well over the past year. It'll be a huge focus for us this year and in 2018.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that it's kind of where, uh, we also use you guys for a fair number of off, uh, office supplies. Again, the bulk kind of packaging is good. Right. Is, is that kind of where those got added? I imagine before you saw the business yeah. side, there wasn't a lot of the office stuff.
0: Right? Yeah, we've, we've continued to add a lot more selection within the office space stuff as we start to as we continue to build out that part of our business. Very Cool. I,
1: I love that strategy. Like the more tech guys you hire, the more snacks you sell. <laughs>
0: Well, it's very true. (laughs) Um, It's hard to keep snacks in stock at our office.
1: (laughs) Hopefully that procurement person has a good promo code.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) So uh, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, uh, re-engagement, like one of the... uh, the the huge challenges for all online retailers and particularly for pure play online retailers is customer acquisition, right? And I, I think of sort of the big the big player in, in the space for the last couple of years has been JET. And you know, they famously spent a fortune on each customer um in terms of acqu- in terms of acquisition costs. Like, what's your strategy around uh, acquiring customers and, and driving that customer value? Are there any particular tactics you're you're relying on and any that have been particularly successful?
0: Sure. So we're pretty much um, across the board in terms of acquisition and retention. But specifically, acquisition, we would focus on TV. We launched our first TV campaign towards uh, the beginning of last year, and then we launched another one towards the end of the year, Um, working on the third right now as well. Uh, Subway has been really, um, really successful for us in key markets. And so really, you know, building on the brand itself and and having that constant exposure um, in key markets. And then print has been huge for us in terms of acquisition. So similar to Jet that has invested a ton in direct mail and print, um, we're also focusing quite a bit um, on that in
1: terms of acquisition. Got it. And I, I can imagine Subway is particularly clever because, you know, one one large segment of shoppers that have, are kind of excluded from the, the brick and mortar club folks are, are folks that don't use a car. Right. Exactly. Um,
0: um,
1: yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. You you just mentioned a lot of sort of old school, old world advertising uh, techniques, and I, I almost wonder in some ways uh for a pure pure digital play, like you know you tend to run into a lot of companies that are predominantly doing digital marketing it, you know some of the right. the print stuff could potentially be less crowded these days, and so the i don 't know the signal to noise ratio for that kind of uh, campaign could almost be better than it used to be
0: I agree, and that's what we 're seeing as well. We still have a huge focus on digital Facebook is probably one of our largest. Um, channels in terms of acquisition but agreed in terms of print and then even some of some other channels that are starting to come back that aren't necessarily as saturated um, such as sms is is also a huge opportunity um, more so for re-engagement but i do see a trend of some of these older um more mature channels coming back and playing in a very saturated space you know saturated space which is digital right now.
1: Yeah. Um have you experimented with any direct mail? I, I that that potentially I guess is another one is those mailboxes are a little less full than they used to be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, we have actually. So, up until, um, i say about a year and a half ago, we really focused on or we'd really use direct mail for acquisition purposes, really targeting a specific geo um, or zip code and, and planning our campaigns around that. Um, and then we started testing programmatic direct mail and, and this was um, a brand new way to re engage with current customers, which we're really excited to test with. Um, and so we started testing with, with a company called Pebble Post.
1: Ah, and so, what what is Pebble Post doing for you?
0: So, we'd initially uh, t- started testing with them to re engage with users that have unsubscribed from our email. And so, up until then, the only way we could really engage or re-engage with current customers um, with email or push campaigns or display programmatic campaigns. And so this was a really exciting opportunity to send customers that had unsubscribed from our emails that were either unengaged from them or didn't like the content um, and send them promos and deals if they were still active on our site. And so how PebblePost Post works is if a user within our specific segment and comes to our site but bounces and doesn't convert within that session, Pebble Post will actually trigger a send, um, either a postcard or catalog, to that user within two to three days. Um, and it's extremely relevant and targeted. We started targeting users based on what product or what category they actually viewed when they did visit the site um and a completely different customer base essentially than users who um we send emails to which is also a very saturated space
1: for sure and i guess what i love about that is it, it it's almost like um analog retargeting like that you're uh, you know it's yeah. it, it's the it's, it's retargeting uh but but via that that analog channel that you know is potentially a little less saturated that's brilliant um is, yeah. Like, and you mentioned, of course, email is, is very saturated, but generally when I talk to folks that still is one of the better ROI tactics for them, I'm assuming email is still in your mix as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Email is is one of our largest channels in terms of retention. And so, um, still, you know, still going to be a huge focus for us. I don't see that changing anytime soon, but then again, you know, a good email campaign may get, 20 to 30% open rates, right? So we're still leaving 70% users on the table um, that we're unable to, to engage with. And so when you think about the number of impressions um, that you get from a physical piece of mail, it's not only two eyeballs, but depending on how large your household is, you could get multiple impressions on a daily basis. If you're like me, I leave mail sitting on the counter for two weeks or weeks at a time, um, and so, just the the amount of exposure is is you know incredible, and um, definitely targets a completely different user than those who are are very email focused.
2: Yeah, I think Blue Apron's a believer. I'd get something from those guys like every every five minutes uh, from from email, yeah. from, from physical <laughs> mail. <laughs> they, they they're right. they're spending big on physical mail.
0: They
1: are. Yeah, I think
2: they're actually yeah.
1: just looking worth- to step up the the advertising spend as they're they're trying to preserve that IPO. Right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: one of the things when we talk to folks about the efficacy of their their digital campaigns and particularly email, like the big trend, you go to any of the shows these days and you know you throw a rock and you'll hit thirty sort of personalization vendors, and it seems like you know the the hey. big the big pitch is always personalization on those marketing channels. Is, is that something you're experimenting with? Is that working or overhyped or what's your, what's your POV on that?
0: No, I, I think that that's a huge focus for us. Um, and something that we have been focused on for quite some time is really, is really emphasizing the one-to-one customized messages um, creating triggered messages based on customers' behavior or, or purchase behavior. Um, and I think that is key. So you know, as many personalized messages and, and one-on-one customized messages that we can send. Um, that that is our focus, right? and definitely something that Pebble Posts and, and direct mail is also helping out with. Um, just imagine visiting our site and going to our baby category, and for some reason or another, you don't end up converting within that session. But then three days later, you receive a postcard in the mail, and the content is all baby-focused with maybe a 20% off discount off of any baby item on site. And so I think the opportunity there is tremendous in terms of customization.
2: Quinn, and you guys are actually doing that, or, or that's something you're gearing up for?
0: We, we are doing that currently.
2: Okay, All right. So you have that level of of targeting and whatnot in the, the mail program? Yep. Cool. Um,
0: yeah.
2: So one, one thing um, I know you guys do is you have uh, Boxed Bold, which I think is your cashback program, and then you have a loyalty program. Tell, tell us a little bit about those and what they're geared towards.
0: Sure. So the Boxed Bold program is our partnership with Amex. And so if you – are an Amex customer, and you um, make a purchase on Box with your Amex card, then you automatically get enrolled in Box Bold, which is free shipping, um, and 3% cash back on all orders. So for any regular customer, non-Amex customer, our, um, our, average, our our cash back program is 1% cash back on every single order. And so the more you order from Box, the more Cashback you get, um, and then AMS customers will get three percent cashback.
2: And the free shipping—it just it eliminates the the fifty dollars threshold, or, or how does that right. Work? Yeah, it?
0: Right, yeah, eliminates the fifty dollar minimum.
2: Okay, cool. And then, so so as a shopper, it's kind of interesting. It kind of reminds me of Jet, although it doesn't have like the some of the Jet elements because you know when you're when you're first starting, you're kind of like. I can't tell if I'm going to save much. And then as you kind of go, though, you uh-huh. start saving. It feels like you're saving more and more. And then, like, now I was just paid with my Amex. I didn't really realize I was into some other special thing. Um, yeah. By the, by the time you get through, you, you realize you've you've actually saved quite a bit. Is that, um, is that intentional or, or explain that rationale? So it's
0: it's a little bit different than Jet, where the more you ask. Heart, the more you're saving. Um, our cashback program is just based on the total um, cart value. So if you're spending $100 in the order, then you're going to get $1 cashback that you can see at any time in your account. And so the more times you purchase those box, you build um, your cashback value. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, and I, it, it's interesting, like one of the challenges with those kinds of value props. On the one hand, it there's almost a little bit of gamification and you're certainly like driving customer lifetime value with the dollars back. But I guess the downside is, you know, a customer is super price sensitive about one item and they log onto your website and they look at the price of diapers and they go somewhere else and look at the price. And uh the the total savings may not be reflected in that item price. Does it does that uh work against you or
0: I think there are a lot of other value pops that we offer, a lot of different or differentiators that we have. So, we may not, if we don't have the, the cheapest price on site, um, it's more about the experience, I would say. We, we offer two free samples on every order. So, it's similar to the wholesale shop, you know, club experience where a lot of people go just for the samples. Um, So we've kind of replicated that online. So you can choose two free samples on every order. You'll get the 1% cash back on every order. Um, Free shipping, no membership fees. I think all in all, the customer experience really speaks for itself. Um, And then not to mention, I don't know if you've received that or if you noticed it in your box, Scott, but we also have handwritten notes to every customer that that we shipped to. And so there's a, you know, extremely personalized aspect to our entire order experience as well.
2: Yeah. I've seen that kind of a uh, borrows from the chewy folks that they, I don't know who started it first, yeah. but they were always well known for that. Yeah.
1: Scott, Scott has a giant collection of postcards that say, man, you guys order a lot of Oreos. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's what we call podcast research, though, for the, the Mondelez episode. Exactly. You, uh, oh,
0: yeah. Well, we've done a Facebook Live with uh, with Mondelez and Oreo, so and <laughs> share that with you.
1: Very cool. Uh, I was sad to see their stock went down uh, based on the Amazon announcement talking about the impact on CPGs. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, but the... Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the sampling because that feels like an untapped area for a lot of e-commerce players. Um, I'm imagining that that sampling is one of those areas that you're able to use as a shopper marketing program for your brands. Is that true?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a huge part of our current marketing strategy um, with our suppliers, and, and they love it because it's a great way for us to test new products. And so if we're considering assorting a new item, Um, Sampling program is a great way to see how our customers will respond to it. Um, And then we could also re-engage with those customers after the fact and send them offers on the full-size item when we do launch it or a similar item um, based on what they've actually chosen to add to cart. So there's a ton of potential there. Um, And, you know, offering products that are new to the platform or just seasonally relevant or limited time offers um are, are also you know a big focus in terms of our sampling strategy.
1: Yeah, and uh so this could potentially be controversial, but do you work the your private labels into the sampling program as well?
0: We do, especially when we launch a new product. Um that's you know one of the first places that that we'll want to launch it is is via the sampling program.
1: Yeah, I I love that tactic. Um again, it just there, you know, So many boxes are going out right now. Not taking that opportunity to introduce that customer to other high-margin products that they could potentially get addicted to seems like a real miss for a lot of players. So I, I love that. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, especially for a brand that many new customers haven't heard of or don't know much about. It's a great way to, to introduce it to them.
2: Cool. Uh, one thing I thought was kind of a little bit of a non-sequitur, I was uh, navigating through the site and looking at different categories, and you know, the one that really stuck out as being a little unusual was hotel and travel. What, What's that all about?
0: Oh, yeah. So we actually just launched this. I actually just sent the email out to our customer base um, a couple of hours ago, but we soft launched it last week and, and just did the full launch today. Um, this is something that our partnership team has been working really hard on and, and we're really excited about it. It also seemed like a, a natural extension for Box. Uh, Costco has offers the vacation packages um, and now our customers can can go on and, and really find some of the best hotel deals. I've played around with it and I haven't found um, better deals uh, for, for many of the hotels that, that I was searching. And so a great value for customers and I think a, a natural extension of the business.
2: So the, the theme is, you know, box customers love to save money. And, and so here's kind of now getting into a variety of non-physical kind of stuff, kind of theme.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're on box and you're looking at stock up for your home or your business, um, why not be able to book a vacation at the same time? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about this and, and I don't, I don't think this will, I think this is the beginning of, of a much larger, um, uh, partnership.
1: Very interesting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you, so we've, we've talked a lot about your business today. We've talked, you know, you're in a category that's, I would characterize as sort of, um, digitally immature. And so, you know, you're a, you're an advanced digital player in a, in a space that, that seems like it's just on the verge of getting disrupted. Um, if you jump in your time machine and and look forward a year or two, you know, how, how do you see the, the industry in your category changing? Do you, do you think it's going to look a lot like it looks now? Do you think it's going to change dramatically? Um, well,
0: I think with the trends that we mentioned before, especially with the Whole Foods acquisition, I think, Um, More and more brands are going to invest more dollars into digital, and we're already starting to see that now. Um, The e-com arms of of specific brands are growing larger and larger, um, and they have a lot more money to spend as well. And so I see that really being a huge opportunity over the next year or so to really tap into that and and create new and, and exciting opportunities for some of these brands. Um one thing that I think that our brands really lo- love about working with Fox um is the fact that we're so small and nimble and we're willing to test new things and new features. And so we've actually created features for brands based on some of their preferences. Um and so I I see that continuing to to be a trend, um, a huge trend over the next year or so.
1: Very cool. I I, I suspect um that as as uh you know the brands start getting really serious about digital like as we see some consolidation of you know there there's a very long tail in grocery at the moment in brick and mortar grocery um and as you know it feels like there's almost this bifurcation that you're going to uh, potentially benefit from that like the traditional grocery store is getting really disrupted because it's it's starting to be really driven by fresh and organic um and you know so so folks are looking for um, one experience to get that really fresh stuff. And then once you have that really fresh stuff, uh, you say, all right, well, you know, what's the most convenient way to get all the rest of my, my goods. And so it, it almost feels like, right. like, you know, where I used to do everything as a one stop shop in a Kroger. Now I'm starting to see people, you know, that are going to Aldi or, or Trader Joe's or Whole Foods for their, their fresh. And then they're relying more on club or, you know, our, our big online friends Uh, for, for all of those replenishment items.
0: Right. That's true.
1: Well, Natasha, uh, congrats on your success so far. Um, I, I I think that's going to be a good place to wrap up because it has happened again. We've, uh, perfectly wasted all of our allotted time. Um, so I want to remind the listeners that they're always welcome to continue the dialogue on our Facebook page. And of course, if you like this episode, we'd sure appreciate a review on iTunes. Um, if you didn't like this episode, just send an email to Scott. Um, but, (laughs) uh, Natasha, thanks very much for being on the show and joining us. Thank
0: you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, we really appreciate you taking time out of your your busy day and to hop on the podcast and, uh, you know, really appreciate the insights on what you guys are building and wish you guys nothing but the best. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Until next time, happy commercing.
0: You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.